Welcome back to Persuasion in the Public Mind. I'm Mark Bourdain. At this point in the podcast series, it should become apparent that in capitalist economies, media is designed around advertising. To sell products, services, and ideas, persuaders need to understand their audience so they can form relationships with them. Knowledge of their strategies help us better evaluate the persuasive messages we encounter. In his book, Persuasion in the Media Age, Tim Borchers writes, It is no coincidence that much of the broadcast programming on television is designed to attract 18 to 45-year-old viewers. Television networks seek to achieve high ratings and consequently large revenues from advertisers interested in targeting their messages to this lucrative group of consumers. Large audiences mean that a persuader's message must appeal to many different groups of people, and those audiences potentially give a lot of power to the persuader. Persuaders can set the public agenda for what it discusses, shape societal values and beliefs, and influence how we spend our time and money. With this information in mind, my first question for Tim is, how does audience size affect media persuaders? Well, for some persuaders, the bigger the audience, the better. So they're trying to uh, use media to reach audiences that have a a great deal of size so that they can uh, get their message out and achieve their uh, desired effects. Branding would be a pretty good example of this. Large companies like Apple or Microsoft or Coca-Cola, they want to reach large, large audiences so that they can build a brand for themselves. Other persuaders, though, might be interested in a more niche audience that's more likely to take immediate action on whatever it is that they're trying to sell or persuade the audience to do. So they might look for a very specific audience of people who are predisposed towards uh, their product or their idea. So it just kind of depends on what what the desired outcome of the persuader is in terms of how big of an audience they need for their message. For persuaders to be most effective presenting their messages, I imagine it's important to first find out how audience members think about messages. Uh, Perhaps you could fill us in on some of the research that's been done about the characteristics of attitude and uh, attitude formation. So attitudes are our predispositions to act, and they, um, there's something we learn. Uh, there's something that maybe predispose us or prepare us to take a particular kind of action. Uh, there's something, they're, they're relatively stable, though they're a little bit flexible. In other words, uh, it's not likely that we change our attitudes that often, that we might um, modify them slightly in some way or another. Uh, attitudes are formed by the beliefs that we have, which, which are cognitive information. So these would be statements about what's true or false. Uh, there's a, a great deal of, of beliefs that we have kind of from when we're when we're babies uh, and, and young children, we develop beliefs about the world and those beliefs still influence what our attitudes are even later in life. Attitudes also include affective or emotional information, and that's how we feel about someone or something. So you might have a, an attitude about a political candidate, and that, that attitude might be based on 
certain ideas that you have about that candidate's position on the policies, but also just about how you feel about them. Uh, do they seem electable to you? Is it someone who you think you could trust? And then finally, our, our attitudes for for our future behaviors are based on our past behaviors as well. So if you've been likely to vote for a Democratic candidate, you might be predisposed to vote for a Democrat candidate again, or you might be predisposed towards voting for a Republican because you've voted Republican in the past. So it's our, it's our predisposition to act that's based upon our beliefs that are often very much ingrained in us as well as our past behaviors and our feelings about a particular topic. So it occurs to me that uh, in any audience, you're going to have attitudes that are more receptive to a persuader's message and attitudes that are not receptive. Evaluating the effectiveness of a message is one function of polling data. Tell us a little more about that. So polling has become a very, very popular way for political candidates in particular, but also really for, for persuaders in general to understand their, their audiences. Polling in, involves a statistically significant sample of a particular population in which uh, someone tries to generalize about the feelings of a group of people based on how some people respond to particular questions. And uh, um, it's, it's important when you, when you hear candidates talk about polls to always ask who was, who was questioned, how were they questioned, what were the specific questions that were asked, uh, because all of those can be a very... Um, can be very influential in terms of what the outcome of that poll is, and, and it can often uh, influence how they might how they might um, present an argument about about a, a set of people. Mm -hmm. uh, polling, as you know, it's become more accurate. It's become much more affordable. Uh, political candidates do a lot of polling, but but like I said, other other persuaders use polling as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, when Polling is conducted. Uh, there are a variety of uh, data analysis techniques used to gather information. And uh, the most often used techniques uh, would include demographic surveys, psychographic surveys, and focus groups. Um, perhaps you could describe the difference uh, between those techniques and how they might help the persuader in crafting a message. So demographics are basic identifying characteristics of someone such as their age, their sex, their race, their income level, group membership, maybe religious affiliation. And basically what, what is done is, is someone will generalize that uh, people of this particular age um, will be more likely to purchase these kind of products or believe these kinds of beliefs. So it's really based on a, on a generalization that is founded in research. Uh, so it's really uh, based on the research. And that's, that's then where the persuaders, if they know that the makeup of their audience is more male than female or more female than male, uh, they might use different persuasive techniques. They might even try to sell different kinds of persuasive messages uh, based on that audience. So that's demographics are kind of the, the basic ways that we understand masses of people and then generalizations are made based on research. Psychographics is, is based more on kind of socio-emotional kinds of uh, ideas that an audience member might have uh, based upon their attitudes, their opinions, their interests. And this is where it's, it's really based more on a lifestyle. So it might be people who own sailboats are more likely to shop from this particular store. 
And so then the persuader tries to understand the lifestyle of people who own sailboats, and they create their messages around that kind of a, an image, that kind of a, an idea about what people value who own sailboats. And there's a, a lot of different ways of breaking down groups into these different characteristics. Uh, one is the VAL survey, the Values, Attitudes, and Lifestyle Survey. Okay. And this is one that, that breaks uh, groups of people down into all kinds of different groups, and then they're able to generalize based on those um, kind of components or those characteristics of the groups. And it's a, it's a very powerful very powerful tool right now. There are databases that, that have millions of Americans in them with many data points on each one, and they combine those data points to try to come to some kind of an idea about what I might be likely to purchase on Amazon.com because of these different data sets that I have. So it's far more complicated, far more complex than a straight demographics. And focus groups are, are a way of, of getting uh, qualitative information from people, and that's where a facilitator will ask open-ended questions of a of a group of people, and they'll they'll really try to understand what the what the beliefs of that group are, try to gain consensus around different points, so that um, the persuader is able to then to use that rich data, that qualitative data, in addition to quantitative data. And uh, on the internet, uh, the use of cookies is a way to gather information. Tell us how that works. Well, a cookie is just a, a line of software code that's uh, placed in a file on your computer when you access a site. So it's the way that when you log on to Amazon, it can instantly tell you the last items that you've looked at, the items you've purchased. It can tell you what items you might be interested in. It's also a way for advertisers to give you uh, display ads on Facebook, for instance, or different pop-up ads so that you can... Um, purchase products that are similar to products you've seen before. So really it's a tracking tool to that, that lets advertisers know what you've looked at and then guessing that you might be interested in those things in the future. And it's able to manipulate the kinds of information that you get from the internet. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, ratings are another important aspect of uh, audience analysis for persuaders who use media. Uh, what uh, what type of data is collected from the various media rating systems, and how is it used with polling data to to understand or create a more receptive audience? So ratings are basically ways of measuring audiences for different types of media. So you probably heard of the Nielsen company that does ratings for, for television, where it's tracking a very small sample of people who watch television to try to, under, to try to understand how many total people might have been watching that show. So it's very difficult for a broadcaster to say, 20 million people watch this show, though you often hear those characteristics uh, being used, but that's often because they're basing that on a small sample. But not just at the number of people, but also the type of people. So the kind of information that, that ratings provides is these types of people watch this type of programming, and then advertisers are able to um, <clears throat> go, go to companies and say, this is the kind of audience that we can sell for you. It's this big, they're predisposed towards purchasing your product, and so this is how much we're going to charge for that advertising. So obviously the shows that rate the highest in terms of the number of people, but also in terms of the kinds of uh, demographic groups that are more likely to be shoppers or more likely to buy certain things, those are going to be more valuable to the companies, and therefore they're going to pay more advertising dollars for them. Mm -hmm. It also influences everything from like the time of day that... that um, 
that ever or that that viewers are watching, as well as the the different programs that that they might be watching or listening to as well. Keep in mind that both traditional broadcast networks and cable networks take advantage of narrowcasting to reach desired audiences. Narrowcasting targets programming at a small, narrowly defined audience, allowing persuaders to reach ideal target audiences for their messages. Examples of TV shows that fall into this narrowcasting category would be House Hunters and ESPN SportsCenter, while narrowcasting channels would include the Food Network and the Golf Channel. Tim Borchers also reminds us that persuaders will oftentimes appeal directly to the most powerful groups and ignore the concerns of other groups. Much television programming today is aimed at individuals in the most lucrative demographic category, that being young people with college educations and high incomes. Whether you are selling a political candidate or pitching an idea to your superiors, Understanding your audience is crucial. Using tools of audience analysis, persuaders can infer the attitudes of their audience and deliver messages more effectively. If you have an interest in learning more about the topics discussed here today, please take a look at the resources listed under the episode description. Persuasion and the Public Mind is available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. As always, you can find us at anchor.fm forward slash persuasion. Thanks for listening. See you soon.